Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you're in the right place today. Hey, I put this goofy little video out on Facebook this morning. Some of you saw it. Somebody walked in and said, I saw your video, and I couldn't tell if you'd had a monster or if you were full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to say, why does it have to be one or the other? <clears throat> we are finishing our, our series, Better Together, today. And thank you, darling. Mary, a good woman. Uh, we are finishing our series, Better Together, today. And we were actually supposed to finish it yesterday. Not yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday. We were supposed to finish it last week. Um, we've been going through... Uh, if you've been plugged into community groups, we've talked about reaching out together. We've talked about belonging together, talked about growing together, talked about serving together. And last week in our generosity kind of uh, message, we were talking about worshiping together. And here's what I could not do. I could not leave worshiping together at our offering. While how many of that, what we give in our generosity is important. It's a big deal, and we need to be generous, and we need to be faithful in our giving. We need, that's a big part of worship, but how many know that there's, that's not all of worship? And so what I wanted to do today is to just take a few minutes to talk about what it means when we worship together, what happens when we worship together. Now, I don't want in any way to let you, make you think that the only way you can worship is with other people, because how many of you have had moments right by yourself when Christ was present and worship was taking place. You, you with me? But for the purposes of today, we're going to talk about what happens when we worship. Say it with me. Together. There we go. I, I, some of you are there. What happens when we worship together? That's what we're going to talk about today. Psalm 100 says this. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. See, I really believe this is a definition. This is an example of what worship should look like. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. We should shout. We should shout. Is that really something we should do? Now, if you were in my house yesterday about 4.15, you would have heard a lot of shouting. It was not pleasant. Isn't it funny how we can make noise for anything in the, on the planet? We can make noise for sporting activities. We can make noise at concerts. And we can make noise at our kids' soccer games. But if you get a little loud in church, people think you're crazy. Shout to the Lord. I I knew I was going to get something from Trent. Shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. We figured out how to worship him with worry and complaining. Worship the Lord with gladness come before him singing with joy acknowledge that the lord is god he made us and we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving go into his courts with praise did you hear that enter his gates with thanksgiving go into his courts with praise i've heard people say well i didn't get nothing out of church today maybe because you didn't bring anything in 
Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Will you pray with me, Father? We need uh, just an encounter with you today. God, teach us and show us the heart we should have for worship. You alone are worthy of our praise and you alone deserve our worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said So again, we're going to talk about worship in the context of when we're together, okay? Again, I want to make sure you know, uh, you can worship in your car, in your bedroom. You can worship on your job. You can worship anywhere. Uh, I believe that when we call on the name of the Lord, He's among us, and we can. But today, we're going to talk about worshiping the Lord together. And I'm going to tell you one of the, the challenges that we have in the worship arena as it comes as it relates to our local church is this is that our music has gotten so good it really has i remember music when i was growing up in a in a a local church in the 80s fabulous 80s and we're and and the music just wasn't all that good it was it was a little boring and the, sometimes the piano wasn't even in tune i'm, no, I'm not talking about y'all's church i'm talking about my church uh, and, and and the choir just sometimes just it just wasn't all that good but can i tell you what happened when god's people got together and sometimes we sang the same songs week after week after week after week but something incredible took place worship happened See, I'm learning that, and and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Worship is less about music and more about connection. Man, I I love worship music. Can I tell you, if, if that's the extent of our worship in this building, then we've missed it. If, if worship is just what they do and what you watch, then it's not worship. What worship really should be is that moment when you connect with God. Not just listen to a song. And I'm afraid that's what it's become. It's just music. And while, if you read the Psalms, there's... It's full of music, and music is a wonderful tool for us to use. It's a gift of God for us to use in our times of worship. But can I tell you, worship has much more to do with your heart than it does these instruments and our voices. Worship must be something that happens within us, not something that we can put on an order of service and display on the screen. In fact, we just read that they came into the courts with worship. It was on their lips as they walked in the door. And you know what we've gotten to the point of? is we, You've been beaten up so bad by life and by work and by all your stuff that you've got to come in here and we've got to sing you into a better mood before you can make a connection with God. And I'm going to tell you, man, we're wasting a lot of time. What would happen if you and I walked into the room 
with worship in our hearts and praise on our lips. I've, I've learned something. I've talked about the Georgia Bulldogs too much. Because all day, that's all you people have wanted to talk to me about. And I'm just not really in the mood to talk about it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. People know what your passions are. You guys know I'm passionate about the Georgia Bulldogs, and so you know that I was in a lot of pain, and you wanted to exploit that this morning. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Man, what would happen if we left all that nonsense on Saturday? We just walked in here. And the only thing I'm focusing on this morning is connecting with my Jesus. And I'm loving on him. And, and I'm glad that you're here, but I'm not here for you. I'm here so I can drink from the well of God. And I'm here so I can, like a deer, pant for the water. I can revive my soul by connecting with Jesus, not you. I love you, and I'm glad you're here. But I'm not here for you, and you shouldn't be here for me. And you shouldn't be here for this worship team. You should, be, you should walk in the building with praise on your lips and worship in your heart to connect with Jesus. And no, See, then it's worship. Worship's more about connection with God. The second thing I want you to write down is worship transcends circumstance. Have you ever said this in your head? Maybe, maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but you're sitting in church or you're walking in the building and your people are saying hi and you're, 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 and you're in your mind, in your heart, you're just thinking, I'm just not feeling it today. Just, are they, the, the, the music starts and you're just like, I'm just, I just don't feel it today. See, we've let our circumstance, our attitude, our weariness, our job, our school, our family problems transcend our worship. And can I tell you, if we let our stuff get in the way of our worship, then our stuff is now our God. If we let our weariness get in the, move into the place of, uh, into God's place, it's an idol. If we've let our, uh, the stuff, our, our, our hurts from the week or our difficulties, our challenges or the stuff that we got coming up next week. If we let that interfere with our with our worship to God, then it's not really worship. It's just a show. It's just emotion. It's just coming into church and going through the motions. And I can tell that is a stench in the nostrils of God. And it certainly isn't worship. So I, I was taken back to a passage of scripture that I, I preached from years and years and years ago. And I, I haven't other than in just reading through Scripture. I haven't thought about this passage in a very, very long time. And it's way too long to put up on the screen. So if you've got your phones or you've got your Bible, you want to follow along. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to go through a lot of it. And I'm just going to hit and miss and just kind of give you the, the cliff notes of the story. This is a time in Israel's history when they were divided. Uh, there were two kingdoms. There was Israel and there was Judah. Anybody know what Judah means, by the way? Praise. praise. Judah means praise. So I, I don't think that's... I don't think that's coincidental in, in the story. And there was a king in Judah whose name was Jehoshaphat. Aren't you glad you didn't live in the Old Testament? <laughs> Jehoshaphat was his name. And here's what Jehoshaphat found out, that there were several nations around him that wanted his life, wanted his people, wanted his land. And they were coming after him. 
They, and he got word that they were coming. So here's, we'll pick up, and here's what we read. Jehoshaphat, this is verse 3, was terrified. Wouldn't you be? So here's my question. What do you do when you're terrified? What do you do when you're, when you're beyond scared, when you're beyond fearful, when you're beyond discouraged, when you're beyond wanting to face the challenges of another day? What do you do? You know, I'll tell you what we do. We whine and we gripe and we complain and wah, wah, wah. That's not what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat was terrified and he begged the Lord for guidance. Isn't that where we should go? Here's what I want you to understand. People have said, well, Dwayne, is, is prayer worship or is singing worship or is my daily devotion worship or is sharing my faith worship? Is, is helping someone in need worship? Yes. Jehoshaphat begged God for guidance. What, in order to do that, don't you have to say, God, you're bigger than me. And I don't know what to do, and you do. He begged God for guidance. He called a fast. He's like, everybody, the bad guys are coming. We're in trouble. Let's call on God. And so the Bible says that the, they, all the people in Judah began to seek the Lord for help. Jehoshaphat prayed. And then something powerful happened. The people began to rally around this idea that God had a plan. And here's what they said. Down in verse 9, they said, Whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, here's the powerful word, we can come to stand in your presence. I'm so thankful that whoever was saying those words didn't say, I. You know what they learned? They learned that they were better together. We, whenever, whenever our life is going crazy, whenever we're facing war and we're facing family stuff, we can gather together in your presence. Yes. It's worship. We read, uh, looking on down, that they're looking to God for help. So here's what happens. All of a sudden, these, these men and, and, and these, these people start rising up and, and the Lord speaks to one of the men. And here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Now, now you got to think. There are three nations, at least three nations, coming after them to kill them and take everything that they have, including their lives and their families and their livestock and their land. And this guy stands up and says, don't worry. It's all good. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But he said, why? Here's why. Because the battle is not yours. It's God's. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Stand still. And watch the Lord's victory because, not because you're such great warriors, but because he is with you. You'll not even need to fight. God's with you. Man, I hope you, you're translating that into your own stuff. Because I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, I had kind of a rough week. Is that okay with y'all if I just confess I had a rough week? I had a rough week. 
And man, I was, I was frustrated, I was confused, and I was a little angry, and I didn't really know how to respond. And, and, and I sat in my little bitty car right out there in the parking lot. And, I, and as, as a, I'm, I'm not checking my phone, I'm not, I want to read to you what I tweeted, what God just dropped in my heart. Because it was pretty good. Talk amongst yourselves. I said today, I choose worship over worry. I realize God's plan is bigger than any predicament. I will celebrate his goodness, understanding he is in full control. There is no hurt that faith in God can't handle. I rest in the amen promises of my king. Can I tell you that 140 characters of worship changed my perspective. Isn't that amazing? How just a moment, just an inkling, just a second, just 140 characters of worship can change your entire perspective on the battle that's coming. Stand still. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Verse 18 says, King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. King, the king, bowed low. If you think you're so spiritually advanced that you can't humble yourself before God, stop it. The king bowed low before God and worshiped the Lord. We read on. They told the king, believe in the Lord your God and you'll be able to stand firm. And here's what... what it's, here's where the story gets crazy. Because if, if you and I were the king and we were going to go into this great battle with all these nations coming against us, we'd go, okay, well, let's find our infantry. Let's find the, the archers and let's find all of the weapons. Let's put them right out front and let's make sure that, that we don't, you know, we're, we're okay. And, but that's not what Jehoshaphat did. You know what he did? He got the worshipers and they went out in front. The singers were out in front. Now that's backwards, isn't it? It's not supposed to work that way, but that's what God told them to do, and that's what they did. And here's what happened. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Man, can I tell you, there's something that happened supernaturally when you begin to bow low and worship your God. It may look like your enemies fight themselves. On down to verse 24, so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout, lookout place in the wilderness, they're, they're arriving on the battlefield. All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. The battle was over before it ever begun. Because they had the greatest military? No, because they learned how to worship God first. And that's a, bi- that's a big lesson there. My wife tried to, tried to tell you a little bit about that last week. You know what we want to do is we want to go through our day and fight the battles on our own and then complain to God about it later as we go to bed. Can I tell you, we ought to get up in the morning and you ought to put worship on first. You ought to put the worshipers ahead of you before you face this day. You, you ought to enter the day with worship in your heart and you may find that the battle's over before it ever begun. In fact, the, the cool part about this story, one of the cool parts about this story is it was such a great victory, they had to rename the battlefield. 
They named the battlefield the Valley of Blessing that day. So what happened? Because we put worship first, God took our battle and turned it into a blessing. And and I don't think I noticed this ever until today or when we were putting this message together. At the very end of that passage is verse 28. On their way home, see, they, they marched with worshipers into the battle. And then when the battle was over, guess what they did? They marched into, they went back home with music of harps and lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. They walked into the battle with worship, and they walked out of their victory with worship. What does that mean to us? Man, I want us to do everything we do with excellence and do it good. I want us to have great music. And I want to have great speaking and preaching and all that stuff. Can I tell you that none of that means very much at all if we're not people who are prone to worship? If you're taking notes, write this down. That God is to be worshipped exclusively. Jesus replied in Luke chapter 4, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God. And serve only him. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw Rachel a curveball. There, there was that, the very first song they did. The chorus the, where it says, you have no rival. Throw that up there. If you can find it. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> you See, here, here's, here's what we do is we'll see these words up on the screen and we'll sing along and sometimes we have no clue what they're really saying. Mm. We're singing along because Donna's singing and Kelly's singing and Rusty's singing. Mikey's beating the drums and it's, it's loud and, and we're, just, we're just singing along because they're on the screen. But what you're saying is, God, in my life, you have no rival. Yeah. Nothing comes before you. So listen to me. If you can't sing it with conviction, don't sing it. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. Oftentimes, he's had a rival. Sometimes it was my own ambition. Sometimes it was my own plan for my life. Sometimes it was my own desire for what I wanted for Dwayne. Sometimes it was my own hobbies, and it was my own... Sometimes it's been my family. Listen, there's been times when it's been this church. Donna said it, and I believe it. He's either first. He's not going to have a rival. He's either first or he's last. You cannot. The Bible is full of admonition that you can't, you can't worship two things at the same time. I can't worship God and worship my job. I can't worship God and, and worship my activities. Listen, are, is a job wrong? Nope. Is, is having you know, a, a hobby and an interest and all those other things, uh, having a, a huge bank account and all that stuff, is, is that wrong? Absolutely not, until it becomes a rival. Because he'll have none. 
and we fool ourselves by thinking we can put something in God's place and that it end well for us. He'll have no rival. Philippians chapter 2 says, One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Period. God's to be worshipped exclusively. If you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is not something to be consumed. I'm going to need your help. I want you to come sit at your keyboard. One of the largest genres in popular music today is worship music. We've turned it into a performance. Listen carefully. These, these guitars, these instruments, these voices, they are not performers. Period. Do, do this with me. Everybody together. Stop. You are not the audience. Do this with me. Take your right foot. And just stomp. We need a rhythm class. <laughs> you hear that sound? This building is not a concert hall. We are not here to consume worship. We are not here to be entertained. If that's your goal, Stay home. You can find it. You, you can be entertained on YouTube. You've got 179,000 channels at your disposal. If that's what you want is to consume something, you ought to stay home. Listen, this is not about you. What we should be is an army of the redeemed lifting our voice together to the audience of one whose name is Jesus, bringing him glory. This is not a concert hall. It's a sanctuary to the glory of God, period. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we realize that this... Now listen, I'm not telling you that you, you don't get something out of it. Because listen, you can't help when you lift up the name of God and you lift up the mighty name of Jesus and His presence fills his, this temple, then, then you can't help but draw strength and power and encouragement from that. I'm not telling you you don't receive anything from it. I'm telling you it's not about you. So stop whining if we don't sing the kind of song you like and we don't sing the, the we did it too fast or the music was too loud. Stop it. Because it ain't about you. If you'd spend more time looking at... Can I tell you? I've heard people say, well, I, I don't really participate in worship because I don't sing well. Yeah, some of you don't care. See, 
during, during that moment, during those times when, when Donna's leaving, you're going to go sit down now. I didn't mean to leave you up here the whole time. I love you. Because I wanted them to see you, that you're not a performer. <laughs> I just wanted you to sit there and look pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here of what, what corporate worship is supposed to look like. It's not, it's not performance. It's not, we don't consume it. We dispense it. We create it with our words. And if you don't sing, guess what? You know what you can do? As those words are coming across the screen, you can meditate on those words. And you can... You can you read, you have no rival. God, do I have a rival? That, is there something that's rivaling you for my attention? And, and, and God can speak to your heart without you ever uttering a sound. Maybe they're singing a song and it reminds you of a scripture and you meditate on that in your heart. Maybe they're singing and, and you're not singing with your words, but, but God brings to your mind someone who's not here this morning and you begin to call on their name. God, if they're sick, God bless them. And you can be in a matter of prayer. Can I tell you, just because you don't sing with your mouth doesn't mean you can't be an active participant in worship. If you come in here and, and all that's going on and you check out and you're worried about what time the Falcons play, then here's what, you'll walk out without anything. But don't, don't blame God, don't blame the worship team, and don't blame the church. You'll get out of it what you put in it. Finally, here's what, what I want you to write down. Worship makes much of Jesus and less of me. John said it this way. and I love the way the New Living Translation reads this passage. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. You know what my goal is for this, for this time every Sunday? See, if, if you leave and all you talked about was our worship team or a sermon, there's value there, I guess, but not much. But if you leave and I see you on Facebook, God spoke to my heart this morning. Are you leaving? Man, Jesus was real in our service today. And you're talking, and, and you're making him more and more, and you're making us less and less. See, I think that's what worship is. He's more and more, and we're less and less. So what happens when we worship together? I'm going to give you four or five things. I don't five. Five things. Four or five things. What happens when we worship together? <clears throat> First of all, worship should be a celebration. You don't understand. I can't celebrate. The Bulldogs lost. My wife's mad at me. I didn't get the promotion I wanted. The house is messed up. I can't celebrate. Uh, I, I, I may lose my job. I may lose my house. I can't celebrate. Stuff's going wrong. People are mad at me. Things are bad in my life. I can't celebrate. Stop! Of course you've got no reason to celebrate. All God did was send his only son into this world to live and bleed and die and suffer for you so you don't have to spend eternity in a devil's hell. No, there's no reason to celebrate. You've never had a day so bad 
that a realization of what God has done for you through his son Jesus shouldn't give you cause to celebrate. So from this day forward, when you walk in this building, listen, if you've had a bad week, we want to love you and we want to put our arms around you and we want to pray with you. But don't you dare come in here and, and, and that be the focus. You come in here. God, I've had a bad week and you know it. I'm struggling and you know it. But I'm celebrating the goodness of God and the great things he's done in my life. And things might not look like I want them to look. But I've got a hope and a future. A God that's got a plan for my life. You've got a reason to celebrate. And that's what we ought to do every time we gather. I don't care. Listen, I don't want to make light of some of the struggles that we have. Because some of them are real. And some of them are, are grave. And I get it. But listen, all the devil do, can do to you is kill you. And, and we get so caught up on the stuff of this world that we forget that Jesus has purchased our ransom and set us free and broke the chains of bondage in our life. We forget that. So it ought to be a celebration. What else happens when we worship God together? Contrition and repentance. Let me tell you a beautiful thing that happens when we worship God together. And it hurts. I wonder if anybody's ever experienced this. We're, we're in the middle of a worship service, and you know that there's stuff in your life that doesn't belong. Maybe there's, you're, you're living in willful disobedience, and you know it. There's sin in your heart. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a worship service, during a song, during a sermon, how many of you have ever felt this? The spotlight of heaven just shine on your head, and you know it. And you're like, oh, God, the preacher and everybody else knows that I'm in trouble. Anybody felt that? There is nothing more gracious God could do. In the middle of a, a moment of worship when God says, listen, I love you enough to point this out to you. I love you enough to bring this to the surface. I love you enough to let you know that, that the path you're walking down doesn't have a good end. And so what I want you to do now is I want you to take in this moment of worship, what you're going to give, your act of worship is to lay that trash at the altar. Yes. Yes. And here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll wash it in my blood and I'll wash you. And, 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 and you can experience forgiveness and grace and mercy. You have a choice at that point. You can lay it at the altar. You can walk out with it. It's, some, it's, it's amazing how uh, I'll never forget. There's, there's been times when, when I knew I was living in disobedience. I can think of one time I was at a youth specialties conference, and there was 5,000 youth pastors around, and I was quite confident that the spotlight of God was on me, and everybody knew it. And that's a beautiful thing that can happen in worship is an opportunity for Repentance. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 95, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You can't kneel in front of something that, that you're not humbling yourself before. Right. Celebration, contrition, repentance, and comfort. Now, again, you can worship on your own. But listen to what Jesus said. Where two or three gather together as my followers, 
I am there among them. There, there's nothing that can replace the tangible manifest presence of God that happens when His people gather and speak His name. Man, I don't, I don't care what you're walking through. Man, that, that's... I, I think it was Isaiah that called it a bomb that soothes your soul. Celebration, contrition, comfort. We find strength and encouragement. Here's what Hebrews 10, 25 says. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know what I find interesting? We are closer now to the return of the Lord than we've ever been. And church attendance has dropped dramatically in our country. Among, no, no, listen. When I say that, I'm talking about among Christians. Church attendance has dropped dramatically. We gain strength. In the, well, I, this might make you uncomfortable, but it's probably late for that. You've, you've, uh, you've come in this building before, probably, and not really wanted to be here. You came out of obligation. You came out because it's Sunday and we're supposed to, and, and, and I, I'm just not really feeling it today. I'm going to let you in a little secret. So have I. I. I've sat or stood there in the middle of worship and had this thought. I don't know if I can do this today. I don't know if I have anything in me to give. And then the most dramatic thing happens. I'll hear your worship. I'll hear people connecting with God around me. And I find strength in your worship when I can't muster it up on my own. That's why we worship together. I find encouragement when I walk in this building and we worship God together. And I hear your stories of what God's doing in your life. I find encouragement there. And listen to me. And, and I, I'm just going to be frank and bold and honest. You, you can't get that on YouTube. I don't care how good the preacher is. You don't find that there. There's something powerful when we worship God together. And then lastly, if you're taking notes, what we find when we worship God together is reflection. And I mean that in two ways. First of all, God will remind you of all the great things He's done in your life. God will remind you of, of, of who He is and what he's called you to do, and what he's called you to be. And as you open your heart to God, he'll remind you of those things. And then a beautiful thing happens. We learn as we worship God that we reflect his glory in the earth. You'll leave here different when we worship God together, and you'll be able to go to your places of business, to your schools, to your homes, and reflect God's goodness because you've been in this prayer. So here's what I wanted us to do today. This worship team's coming back. I didn't want to preach a sermon about worshiping together and to not give us an opportunity to worship.
together. So in the last few moments of our service, we're going to spend it in worship. Now, here's what, I, here's what I need you to do, okay? I want you to remember what I've said as they're coming. Folk, right, right here, eyeballs to eyeballs. If you're not a singer, you can still participate. But I want everybody in the building to participate in worship. That means you're making more of Jesus and less of you. That means you're connecting with God. That might be through just reading the words that are, and, and meditating on those words. And it might be just having that moment of, of contemplative prayer as we're singing these songs. It might be that something that you see on the screen that r- reminds you of a, a circumstance in your life and you just begin to, in your own words, thank God for His grace and His goodness and the good things that He's done. So we're just going to take a few moments, just, just a couple, and we're going to worship the Lord. Well, Duane, I don't feel like standing. Then sit down. How many, I, I want you to know something. This might sound unfamiliar. This might sound weird. I don't think God's so much concerned as the posture of your body as he is the attitude of your heart. So we're going to stand. If you don't want to stand, then don't stand. But we're going to stand across this building, and we're going to worship the Lord. Praise to you only, 
in here discouraged you are encouraging for one that walked in lonely you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother ones that walked in sick in our bodies you are our great physician you are everything we need and for that we worship you because you are good you are God and like you there is none if you're here in this building and you don't know the Lord Jesus, then I, I cannot go forward and, and close this service without telling you that if you don't know Jesus, how desperately He loved you, 
how desperately God our Father loves you to send His Son to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. And so today before you leave, just as we're finishing this song, you can say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'd be saved. You could do that this morning. You could make a commitment to follow Jesus with the rest of your life and then your life would be a life of worship. So she's going to sing this song, this, this, this chorus, just once more. And here's, if you're not a singer, then say it. You are everything I need. Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Matthew's coming to receive our, our tithes and offerings.